This is a Sunday message from New Community Church in London. To discover more about New Community, visit newcom.church. So we're in our final uh, message of the Summer of Celebration series that we've been doing. And this message is going to be about the marriage supper of the Lamb. And it's funny because the word marriage has actually been floating around in my household quite a lot at the moment, not because I've been preparing for this message. I hope I thought that was the case, but no, it's because my parents, yeah, they're starting to, you know, anticipate the marriage of myself and my sisters, especially me. Now I've got to that age, 25, that's the age my mum got married. I'm, she's never going to let me forget that. But now, I've, now I'm there, there's just a lot more you know, they just, they just want to know who's in my life, particularly the men. And like now, all I need to do is mention the name, the words Nigerian and man in the same sentence. And my, my parents, they're on the edge of their seats with questions. I'm getting, okay, who's this? I'm like, a friend. They're like, where'd you meet him? Uni. How old are they? 26. Go on back and forth. And then we get to my dad's favorite question, which is, can they speak in tongues? And I feel like once we get that question... <laughs> That question is, that, that's what seals the deal. That's whether we know they're really a friend or whether they're a potential suit. So tips for the parents, just ask that question first. We can wrap this conversation up quickly. But yeah, like, I, I'm not completely mad at this because like, it actually got me thinking, like, why are my parents so ready for like, the marriage of myself and my sisters? But when I thought about it, they have a lot of expectation and they also have a lot of faith for that day to come as well. And we also have a day, um, a much bigger wedding celebration to come, the marriage supper of the Lamb, that we can be expectant and have faith for. So what are we actually referring to when we speak about the marriage supper of the Lamb? And the Bible shows this is an eternal celebration of the bride and the bridegroom, where Jesus, who is the bridegroom and the Lamb of God, is wedded to his bride, the church. And it represents the joy and fellowship that Jesus will have with his church for eternity. And Revelation 19, gives us a picture. It says, let us rejoice and exult and give him glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. It was granted to her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. For the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words of God. We are the bride of Christ, the church. If you have given your life to Jesus, you're part of the body of Christ, the people of God, and that is his church. Ephesians 5, 25 to 27 says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present to the church, present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy without blemish. And so Jesus gave everything for his bride. He gave himself that we might be fully cleansed from sin so that we can be in his presence forever. We'll be fully perfected, spotless and sin-free when we appear before Jesus. And there'll be so much joy when he looks on us as his perfect bride because that's what he gave his life for so he could be united with us again. And he knew what the cost was for marriage. Hebrews 12 tells us that for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, despising its shame. So he truly delights in us as his bride, and it's a joy for Jesus to be united with us forever. And in John 14, Jesus tells us that he's preparing a place in heaven for us, um, and one day he will return and take us to be where he is forever. And so that's what the marriage supper of the Lamb is. It's the celebration of this union. We might not know exactly what it's going to look like, but we know we're going to have joy for eternity and celebrate for eternity because of that reconciliation and union that we have with Christ. And Revelation 21, 1-4 says... Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and the sea was no more. 
and I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming out, out of heaven, um, coming out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And so we will have complete joy, because we will be in the very presence of God for eternity, without the presence of sin, as it cannot, can no longer exist in the new heavens and the new earth. All of God's creation will be fully restored, and that's where we're going to be for eternity. And eternity of God is something that we can really get excited about. 1 Corinthians 2.9 says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, nor heart of man imagined what God has in store for those who love him. And for a while, I was actually trying to think of an analogy to describe this until I actually read the scripture and it said, The heart of man cannot imagine what God has in store for him. So we just know it's truly going to be great. And I just was encouraged because we can look forward to this with absolute certainty because it is a promise from God. And if you think back to marriages during the time of Christ, what would typically happen first is the forming of a marriage contract where the parents of the bridegroom or the bridegroom himself would make a payment um, to the bride for marriage, and this would begin a betrothal period or engagement. And as believers, we're betrothed to Christ. When we responded to the message of the gospel and believed in Jesus, that engagement period began for us. And Jesus, our bridegroom, he's already made that payment for marriage through his shed blood on the cross. And... Because the blood of Jesus conquers all, our marriage contract is sealed and therefore it's an absolute guarantee that we're going to have eternal union with him. And so we can rejoice in this payment that Christ has made that saves us and promises eternity with him. And um, just to take us back to those verses in Revelation 19, it talks about the bride being clothed in righteousness. And I just felt to highlight this for anyone who might struggle with the idea of like appearing before Jesus or even just approaching him in your relationship now. Like maybe there might be some guilt or something that you're holding on to in that sense. And I just wanted to encourage you just to see God's grace here because we're cleansed by the blood of Jesus clothed in his righteousness so that when he sees us, he sees perfection through his son, who was without, ble- who was without blemish. And Isaiah 61.10 says, I will greatly rejoice in God. My soul shall, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord, sorry. My soul shall exult in God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. And so this causes our souls to rejoice and give praise to God. Absolutely no heaviness there. And we can look forward to meeting Jesus face to face and approach him with confidence now. Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace and help in the time of need. And um, Hebrews 10 tells us again, I think we heard it earlier, since we have confidence to enter the holy places because of the blood of Jesus, let us draw near with full assurance of faith. So we have hearts cleansed from a guilty conscience. You can be completely free from that and approach Jesus with confidence because of what he's done on the cross. And uh, we see even more of God's grace when we look at the marriage supper of the Lamb because there's an open invitation for all to join this wedding feast. There's absolutely no criteria, no dress code for this wedding, by the way. Like, thank God for that. But it's a truly an open invitation. The payment Jesus made has covered all of humanity's sin and no stone was left unturned. It's the blood of Jesus only that qualifies us to partake in these celebrations. And so you can put your trust in Jesus today and be part of those who he will collect and take as his bride and be with the Father forever. Total security in Christ, not just for our lives now, but for eternity, starts the moment we put our faith in him. 
And so we know this huge wedding feast is coming where we're going to celebrate being united with the bridegroom forever. And, but we can have a foretaste of that joy now because through Jesus we have access um, to relationship with the living God right now. And so I just want to share a few implications for us, just three things that I think the marriage step of the Lamb can mean for us now. And the first one is we live with expectation and joy. Um, there's inheritance that awaits us. 1 Peter 1, 3 to 9 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in the praise and glory and honour at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. And so we live with great expectation now because our inheritance is imperishable. Our salvation is eternal and we are being guarded by God's power through our faith in him until we meet Jesus face to face. And later in 1 Peter 1 verse 23, it talks about that we've been born again, of not of perishable seed, but of imperishable seed, through the living and enduring word of God. And so we can know for sure that we will receive our inheritance. Um, sorry. Um, God's word cannot fade away, nor can he lie. And so we can be expectant and joyful at what's to come, because it's held by God's word, and God's word is everlasting. And so verse 6 says, in all this we greatly rejoice, even though we haven't seen Jesus yet, trusting in who he is and his character fills us with an inexpressible and glorious joy. And so what this tells me is that if I want more joy now, I can get to know Jesus better. I can get to know who he is and his character. Um, if spending eternity with him gives me everlasting joy, then I can just bring him into my situations now, no matter how big or how small, because he brings joy in all circumstances. But just something I just thought, for us to note here is that whilst Jesus brings joy in all circumstances, we should be aware that there's an enemy out there who does want to rob us of joy. And his main enemy is to kill, steal, and destroy, and that includes the joy we have in Jesus. And he knows that the work of the cross cannot be undone, and therefore nothing is going to stop our union with the bridegroom. Um, but he doesn't want us fixated on that reality. He wants to distract us and stop us from looking, looking at eternity because he knows that that's where our hope is and ultimately where our joy lies. And so that's why it's important for us to bring Jesus into all aspects of our lives, because it's by him that we overcome. And when the enemy tries to frustrate us, get you down or overwhelm us, we remember what the word says, you are of God and you have overcome them. For greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And we were reminded last week that we need to contend like for our joy each day. And it's, it's by Jesus that we do this. His victory is our victory. And therefore we can stand, take our stand and refuse to hand our joy over to the enemy. And um, so that was that. And then the next one was where we are now is temporary. Um, where we are now is temporary, and therefore we need to hold fast in faith until we reach our permanent home. And um, our future inheritance, it might be hard to grasp because it's not tangible, but what can help us if we, is if we constantly remind ourselves that this isn't where God intends us to be forever. 2 Corinthians 5, 1-5 says... 
For we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. For while we are in this tent, we groan and are burdened, because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up in life. Now the one who fashioned us for this very purpose is God, who has given us the spirit as a guarantee of what is to come. And I'm not going to lie, I read this and I was like, okay, so where we are is a tent, essentially. And I'm not going to lie, like, I have very limited experience of tents. But from the small experience I do have, yeah, nothing to write home about for me. So I kind of got, I got it when it said, don't get fixated on this tent situation that we're in now. But sorry if you like camping, by the way. But yeah, what it's saying is that our earthly dwelling is temporary, so we don't get fixated on it. James 4 describes our lives as a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. So instead, we need to fix our eyes on eternity with God because that is our permanent home, and it's secure as well. Um, the Bible talks about this is the hope that we have, and it's a firm and secure anchor for the soul. And I just think we need to anchor ourselves, anchor ourselves in this truth, and that's how we persevere and hold fast in faith until we receive what is promised for us, because we know that he who promised is faithful. And just lastly, the Holy Spirit is perfecting us. And if you just think about a typical bride, like getting ready for her wedding day, all the preparation that's going to go into that, it's similar for us. We're preparing for a time when we're going to meet Jesus face to face. And 2 Corinthians 4, 16 to 18 says, So we do not lose heart. There our outer self is wasting away. Our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. And so the Holy Spirit is working in us to prepare us and perfect us for a glory that we've never seen before. And he wants to change us so that we might be ready to stand before the bridegroom. And he's doing this in all of our circumstances. Those verses talk about us being renewed day by day. And this is day by day when all may seem to be going well and day by day in the trials as well. It's a constant renewal. So even in our lowest and most confusing moments when we think, how, how can God use this? In God's eyes, we're progressing towards that day when we meet the bridegroom and he says we will be made ready, and that's a promise. And so we can have faith and belief that he will accomplish the plans that he has for us in our lives. But the changes the Holy Spirit makes, they may not always feel comfortable, but I just think for us, if we could shift our perspective to know that God is working his purpose in and through us, we can find encouragement even when it feels tough. And I think this can also help us when we are trying to submit our wills fully to God and just hand things over to God and let him take control. He makes all things work together for good. We're even singing it in that song. And so we just need to, love, we need to trust him that his plan is better than ours. And so even if we feel like our faith is being tested, something might be going on in your life that's really difficult and you just feel out of your depth, just be encouraged. The Holy Spirit is at work in you. He, he teaches us how to be fully reliant and dependent on him and just allowing him to take complete control of our, over our lives, just believing that he's going to work his purpose out for my good and for his glory. And so, just as we come into a close, I just wanted to ask us the question of, how is the marriage, marriage prep going for you? <laughs> Jesus is coming back to take those who, is, who are his bride, and how are we getting ready for that? Jesus uses parables a lot to tell us to keep watch because we don't know the day or the hour that he is coming. And it's like the um, parable of 
of the ten virgins in Matthew 25, where we see ten virgins who are waiting to meet the bridegroom. Five are foolish and five are wise. And we see the wise ones as those who are prepared at all times to meet the bridegroom. They have much oil for their lamps. And so when the bridegroom arrives, they go into, into the wedding banquet with him. But the foolish ones, they were distracted and unprepared and they didn't have enough oil for their lamps. So whilst I was waiting for the bridegroom, they had to go and get more oil and they ended up missing his arrival. And I just think for us, we want to be those who have much oil in our lamps and will be ready at all times for the arrival of the bridegroom. And I think for us, it can look like not allowing the distractions of life to, and business of life, especially as things start to get going again this term, to distract us from seeking the things of God, seeking the kingdom of God. We want to be those who hold fast in faith, um, you know, for our future inheritance. And we want to be those who just have our eyes fixated on eternity and not on our um, temporary situation now. And so, yeah, I just have a few prayer points for us that we can take into this week in this new term. And the first one would be um, that we'll, we would want more of God's will in our lives and less of ours so that he might truly transform us for his glory. And the second one is that we would hold fast to the promise of eternity with our saviour in faith right until the very end. And thirdly, that we'll be full of abundant joy as we wait for him. So, yeah, can I just pray for us? And it would be great if obviously we can pray into this this week. But yeah, let me just pray for us now. Yeah, Father God, just thank you for just this gift of salvation that you've given us that promises us eternity with you. And yeah, we just, we're just so appreciative of that, God. And I just ask you, would you just feel each and every one of us in this room, with your abundant joy, the joy that we get from knowing you and knowing that we have eternity with you. And God, I just ask that you would just fill us with much faith this afternoon um, and into our weeks, Lord. Would you just help us hold fast and fix our eyes on this on this future that we have with you, this eternal celebration and joy that we're going to have with you, God, and help us not get too bogged down into our day-to-day situations now. And God, I also ask that your Holy Spirit have your way in our lives. I just, I ask that you'd give us open and willing hearts to, for you to move and for you to do whatever you've planned for us because we know it's for your glory and for our good. And so, yeah, God, as we just step into this new term, would you just help us? Would you just strengthen us? Would you just equip us? And we just want to do, do what you've called us to do. So would you help us in that? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.